Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated today. Well, Pastor Corey read you a powerful passage of Scripture this morning from Psalms 84, and you can look that up later and read that, but this is a prayer, and notice what he prayed. People whose strength comes from the Lord. How many of you, your strength comes from the Lord? Can I see your hand? Listen to this. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become refreshing springs. Bring up the house lights for me if you would. Some of you are going through the valley of weeping. How many of you like for it to become a place of refreshing springs? Can I see your hand? Sure. Look at this. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. I am not ashamed. I want to live blessed. Amen. If you don't want to live blessed, that's okay. I'm blessed, but I want to be blessed in my going in and my coming out. Amen. And then the Bible says also they will continue to grow stronger and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. As I get older, I want to get stronger. Isn't that right? Oh, now some of you, you're older than me. There should have been a lot more amens in here. As I get older, I want to get stronger. I don't want to be feeble. And if I ever get feeble, I'm going to be praying, Lord, strengthen me. I want to run with the horses. My daddy used to say, you can't run with the big dogs if you stay on the porch. I want to be able to run with the horses. And so this is what the Bible says. They will grow stronger. And one day I want to stand before the Lord my God. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about 40 days of prayer and fasting. Why we do that at Woodland and why we begin this. If you'll look at your little sheet I gave you on some scripture references that you can look at later. You'll see a number of references, and I've already had a lot of people, I've got some more in my office that have turned these in to me, and we'll, we're going to come to the altar at the end of the service, and I'm going to ask you to bring these with you, but we've got some examples here. Moses who fasted. Moses fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Paul fasted. <coughs> Excuse me. And then Jesus teaches us, I give you some scriptures from him about fasting, and he says, my disciples will fast. Nobody ever jumps up and down, including me, when I say, we're going to have a fast. Okay, nobody gets all excited. Oh, I get to fast for the next 40 days. I know that doesn't happen. But Jesus says, if you're his disciples, you're going to fast. And so there are times when we need to fast. Paul says there's even times when married couples will choose together. It can't be one or the other, but together, consensually, they choose together that they will abstain from sexual relationships in order that they may seek the Lord more fully together. Now, if you're going to do that, I, first of all, I, I just want to encourage you, number one, talk with your small group leader or your pastor, one of your pastors. You can talk to me if you'd like. There's some counsel I would like to give you. And if a small group leader, you're concerned about, you know, if somebody comes to you, come to me and I will give you some counsel to give folks. There's a warning that Paul gives with this. And from periodically, people will come to me and say, Pastor, we're going to, for our 40-day fast, we're observing this. And and I say, well, there is a really strong warning. Paul says you need to agree together and come back together lest the enemy tempt you. You can go through some real deep waters on something like this. So I'm just tossing it out there, but I'm being honest with you about what the Bible says. But the purpose of fasting, notice that I've got the purpose of fasting. The purpose of fasting is to focus upon God. I don't know where I read this at, but I read it years ago that we fast from food in order to feast upon the Lord. Now, fasting is not to earn brownie points with God. It's not to get, Becky's got a, she's just started this. I don't know, is she back in the service? 
Good. Don't tell her I said this. She started this little board where I get points. So I watched a chick flick with her a couple of weeks ago, which I hate those kind of movies, but it's what she wanted to watch. So I watched it and I got a point for it. I took her out to a place called the British Tea Garden. And I noticed when I walked to the refrigerator to, to get something out of the fridge, I had two points for taking her to the British Tea Garden. I don't know what I'm earning for, but I'm waiting on my gold star. I can't wait, you know. But anyhow, so the point is we don't fast to earn something from God, but we fast in order to feast upon the Lord, to focus upon the Lord. And so I'm asking you in this 40 days that you would make a decision. You would make a commitment before the Lord. Maybe you can fast a meal a day. Maybe you can fast a one day a week without food. Drink water, but without you go without food for one day. Or maybe you're diabetic and you can't fast food. I understand that, but you can give up something from your diet. I've already had some folks that are struggling with diabetes. They've come to me, told me what they're going to fast. I said, okay, I'm going to agree with you, but let's pray also the Lord's going to heal you from, uh, from your diabetic condition. Maybe you'll fast from the internet. Some people fast things. And so if you fast from the internet, the average person, according to what I read this week, the average person in America spends two hours a day on the web. And as I thought about that, what would happen if we spent that time just focusing upon the Lord? What would happen if we took that two hours and said, Lord, that two hours I spend, I'm going to spend with you. First of all, I think you'd be happier because you wouldn't be reading Facebook all the time. You know, you'd just be off of Facebook. If you fast from certain things in your life and you lay that aside, then maybe you take and say, I'm going to take the money I would have spent on this that I, you know, every day uh, somebody gave me theirs and they say, Pastor, every single day I eat donuts and I am giving donuts up. Well, not only are they going to be healthier, won't they, Dan? They'll be healthier for giving up, and it wasn't Dan, by the way. They're going to be healthier for giving up donuts. But I said, what you ought to do then is take and save that money that you would spend on a donut every day and just give that to missions or give that to benevolence or something like that. See what happens in your life as you seek the Lord. So I encourage you, join, and then if you would sign that, we're going to come. I'm going to ask you to leave it at the altar towards the end of the service. And we start that on Wednesday. Now, one of the reasons I prayed like I prayed this morning, you're here. I started to go on and promote this service, and I thought, no, that would defeat the purpose of prayer and fasting. So I said, Lord, I just trust you that you're going to bring the people who need to be here to hear this message today. It's no secret that our nation needs revival. It's no secret that the church, the body of Christ as a whole, needs revival across America especially. It seems like the third world, they're experiencing revival, but they're going through persecution. A man wrote me from uh, Delaware just recently, and he says, Pastor, he said, I listen to your messages online. And he says, I've become to the place, he said, where I, I just believe that the church needs persecution in order to be purified. And I wrote him back and says, never pray that that happens, but pray that people will humble themselves before the Lord and repent of their sins. You, you have no idea what you're asking for when you in, invite I've met and sat with persecuted believers, and I don't wish that upon my enemies, what they do to people who love Jesus. And so this can be a time of us setting our hearts upon the Lord. But some of you, and I've always made you a promise, I will never preach at you. For instance, Dean, if you had talked to me, I would never preach at you or something in a message, but I will always preach the Word. But because I've talked and prayed with so many of you in here, I know that there are going to be issues that I hit upon they're going to be personal for you because you need a breakthrough in your life. 
You need something to happen in your life. There's something in, 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 in when you study different areas of science or technology or even in leadership, it's called the J-curve. And the J-curve is where technology or science or culture or progress goes along at a flat line and then somebody makes a breakthrough and the J, the top of the J just skyrockets and things really begin to happen. Well, that was the way it went with computers for years. Computers were basically a network of just wires and, and boxes and tubes and stuff like that. And then somebody invented the microchip. And when the microchip was invented, the J-curve just went straight to the sky and now in your phone or in your, your iPad, you have more technology and power because of all the technology that happened. Maybe your watch, you have more technology than what the, the space shuttle had when it went to the moon. And so it's important for us to understand when I talk about a breakthrough, I'm not talking about a gradual process. I am asking God for a revival or a breakthrough in our hearts and our lives. Now, I need to be honest with you about something because, and <clears throat> I hope I don't lose my reward in heaven for talking about this, but I started fasting when I was 16 years old. I fast one day a week. I give 24 hours a day to the Lord just to fast. And I began that when I was 16, and it was, it was a discipline that I began to build into my life. Fasting has never made me jump up and down. There are some days I don't look forward to my day of fasting. I'm just, I'm craving food all day long. And I know that's the way the Holy Spirit's dealing with me about, you know, seeking the Lord more. But last year during the 40-day fast, it was a struggle for me. I started out good, but somewhere about midway through that fast, I got tired of it. I wanted to stop. I could taste hamburgers in my mouth. I could taste french fries in my mouth. And I started just losing my joy. I told Becky one night, I'll be so glad when this stinking fast is over with. And Becky says, well, you're not going to get blessed like that, you know. She just always puts her finger on it. I said, I know it. I said, I'm really concerned because I've never been bitter about fasting. But finally, I felt like the Holy Spirit just put his finger on some things in my heart and in my soul that I needed to bear before the Lord and give to him because I wasn't feasting upon God in that area. So I'm cautioning you. If you begin this fast, and I, I wouldn't belittle anything. If you're a chocoholic and you give up chocolate for 40 days, you're going to miss it. One man's already turned in. I've got it right here. He's going to give up sugar. My prayers are with him. He's cutting out sugar out of his diet because he's going to go through withdrawals and everything in his body is going to crave sugar. And so whatever it is, there will be some point you're going to be tested physically. You're going to be tested emotionally, especially if that's kind of how you comfort yourself. If you kind of, you know, if this is the way, you know, Facebook is kind of how you relax and you decide to give up Facebook. Or if you decide to give up, you know, television or if you decide to fast one day a week, I'm going to tell you, you everything, you will notice every billboard that advertises fried chicken on the highway. You will think Kentucky Fried Chicken is God's chicken and He's calling your name. You know, you will just begin to fantasize about food and stuff. So I'm warning you what can happen, but I want to talk to you for the next few minutes about what can happen if you put God first in your prayer life and in your time and we fast and we pray. So the first thing I'd like to look at is the Bible and Christ taught us to, talk, to pray about everything. 
Pray about everything. There's nothing too small to pray about. There's nothing too big to pray about. There's nothing in my life or your life that is, listen, there's nothing in my life that is worth worrying about. It's worth praying about. Say that with me. There's nothing in my life worth worrying about. It's worth praying about. Because worry won't do any good. Worry won't accomplish anything. And so my encouragement to you this morning is whatever it is that's occupying your thoughts and your time, that you would just begin to seek the Lord. I remember before we ever moved up here, (coughs) pardon me, and we found out Andrew had to have braces. It will help if I take the top off, won't it? You can pray about this cough this morning while I'm preaching. Andrew had to have braces. Well, when we went in and they did the x-rays on his mouth, we found out he had 12 teeth that had to come out of his mouth. And if you know my son, you're going to think, wow, that's impossible. But he has a very tiny mouth. And so he had teeth growing up inside of his mouth, growing up into the roof of his mouth. And so he had to go through a, a, a surgery and it was very expensive. And so we just prayed, Lord, we've we got the car and Vic says, how are we going to pay for this? I said, we're going to seek the Lord and we're going to fast and pray. And God provided and we didn't have to go into debt for that. And we paid for his dental care and his braces. And I'm always just remembered that. There's nothing too small to pray about. You pray about your backache. I, if I get a headache, I take two Tylenol and I pray. If I don't have Tylenol, I really pray, okay? But I, I, and I ask people to pray with me, but you pray about everything. You pray about the big stuff and the small stuff. Look at what the Bible says. Don't worry about anything. Would you say that commandment with me? Don't worry about anything. Look at your neighbor and say, say it to them. Don't worry about anything. Now look at me. You break that commandment all the time, don't you? <laughs> We, that's the commandment we break all that we worry about our children we worry about our grandchildren we worry about our health we worry about our finances but worry doesn't do us any good and the reason that we mess up so much of the time in our lives is because we spend time worrying about it rather than praying about it we worry about the past and worry can't change the past we worry about the present worry can't change the presence and so By not praying and worrying, we dwell upon our past, we worry upon the present, and we miss the moment and the opportunity that God gives us. Now, in just a few days, I think spring training has already started. In a few days, you're going to be watching baseball, and imagine a good batter coming up to bat, and he's worried about a curveball. And all he does is focus on the, he's worried about the curveball, and he takes his mind off of a base hit or a triple or a home run because he's worried about a curveball and he's focused upon that curveball rather than focused upon getting a double, a triple, or a home run. What you worry about is what you're focused upon. And what we're asking you to do is focus upon God because the more you focus upon God, the more insignificant your problems will become to you and the greater God will become to you. And it's how you begin to prepare yourself for revival or for a breakthrough. Instead, the Bible says, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. You say, Pastor, is that okay to ask God to to bless me, to ask God, tell Him? Yes, that's what He wants you to do. Tell Him what you need and then thank Him for all He's done. I love the way the Amplified Version translates this. It says, don't fear, don't fear, don't fret, don't fear, don't have any anxiety. In other words, there's a place you can live like that. Now, 
here's one of the things I learned early on in my life. Because as a young pastor, as, as someone when I began to have students that I was concerned about, and I can see their faces now when they would make unwise choices. I can remember being in a situation where families were making unwise choices, and sometimes a student would come to me, like a young guy whose mother and dad divorced, and God wasn't answering his prayers the way he wanted them answered, and he was in danger of losing his faith. Another young man that his father was murdered. As I began to process these things with these kids, I found myself starting to worry, and it decreased my faith. But what I learned as a young pastor and what I want to pass on to you is you, because some of you who are young in here, you're beginning to assume more responsibility. Mom and dad is taking care of you. Your parents have provided for you. You've gone to school and you've eaten at the school cafeteria perhaps, but all of a sudden you're beginning to get responsibilities you've never had before. And if you talk to your parents and your grandparents, if they're honest, they'll tell you they had those same experiences. You begin to worry. You begin to have concerns. And if they're honest with you, they'll tell you they never stop being worried about you the older you get. And so what you have to do is learn to discipline yourself to cast those cares upon the Lord for He cares for you, the Bible says. Because if God, if, if you want to, God will let you carry those worries instead of letting God carry those worries for you. There have been times when I've had to let my kids learn the hard way. Let me say it again. There have been times where I had to let my kids learn the hard way. Experience is a mean teacher, but she's a good teacher, right? And so sometimes you have to let them carry it until they learn how to let someone help them until they learn how to God, let God help them. And so God says to you, He says, don't worry, instead pray. Now, one of my favorite verses in the Bible comes from the book of Psalms. Psalm 88, verse 9 says, every day I will lift my hands in prayer to you. Every day I will lift my hands in prayer to you. And so, it's a habit of mine every single day. I just lift my hands. I lift my family up in prayer. I lift my needs up in prayer. And I'd like to walk you through for just a couple of minutes here how I pray. And maybe you want to write these down, pull these out, because they're not even on the app. Because I've said them so many times. Some of you can say them with me. But you can make these work in your own life. First of all, I pray as a person. I pray about the things that are going on in my heart. I pray about the things that are going on in my mind, in my life. I pray about my spiritual growth. I pray about my discipleship. I pray about my health. I pray about the dreams in my life. I pray about everything about my life. I pray secondly then for Becky, my partner. I use P's to, to help people remember this. Becky is my wife. She's my partner. If you're married, if you're a woman and you're married to a man, your partner would be your husband. And so I pray for her. By the way, she's the person closest to my heart. Don't miss what I'm going to say. She's the person closest to my heart outside of Jesus. She's also the person that can hurt me most in the entire world because nobody knows me like Becky. Nobody has my heart like Becky. So I pray for Becky. I pray for her growth in the Lord. I pray for her protection from the attacks of the evil one. I pray for her protection from the attacks of temptation and deception. I pray for her to grow sanctified more and more every day. I pray for her in every facet of her life, her health, her mental uh, stability, her emotional stability, 
disability. I pray for her vocation, her career. I pray that the people that she does taxes for, that she's going to be a witness to them for Jesus Christ. And I pray that she's a blessing. I pray that she prospers and all she does. I pray for my children, a parent, the third P. And I pray for my grandchildren now. And I, as I go through and I pray for them, I talk to them all the time. And I'm listening. I talked to one of my kids that called me yesterday. And while we're talking, uh, I listed three things that we talked about that were worth praying about. And so as I pray for my children, I pray a lot of the same things that I pray for Becky. Their sanctification, their protection from temptation. I pray like Job, like I, I did I talked to you about two weeks ago in defeating bitterness. I pray, Lord, if they've committed any sins, convict them. Don't let sin get root in their heart. Don't let them give way to the devil. Don't let them give ground to the devil. I pray for their spouses. I pray for my grandchildren. Just that same way. You, so you take time. And it doesn't take me a lot of time to do this. And then I start to pray next as a pastor. And as I begin to pray as a pastor, what I do then is I, I pray about uh, the health of our church. I pray about the health of marriages in our church. I pray over those folded cards that are given to me. I pray over all the prayer requests. And I find that all the cards that come in from all of our prayer requests generally center around five things. And I wrote them down. Health, marriages, children, finances, and things that you're worried about. And so I began, I pray over those things and I call people's names out to the Lord. And, and as I do that, I just feel myself not worrying, but I just anticipate. And I always just say, God, I'm anticipating an answer for these folks today. And would you please let us know when God answers your prayer? Because a lot of times, some of you are like the nine that never return to say thank you to Jesus. God will answer a prayer that you've asked us to pray about. And I'll ask you later, about, oh yeah, God answered that. I should have told you that, shouldn't I? I go, Duh. Yeah, let me know because you're still on the prayer list and I need to bump you off of there, you know? So let us know. So we go through and we pray about that. I pray as a pilgrim. I pray for our missionaries. I pray for our political leaders. I pray for the poor. I pray for the sick. I pray for the ill. I pray for the mentally handicapped. Working in mental health did something to my heart and my life. It just aggravates me that we have less hospital beds for the mentally disabled today than we had in 1950. We have less hospital beds availability for the mentally disabled than we did in 1950. And because of that, there are people on our streets, living on our streets, there are crimes that are being committed because somehow or another the politicians in both the national level and the state level have said it's better for them to let them live on the street and then people like you and I in neighborhoods and in cities have to deal with that. Friends, we need to be praying. That's one of the things we need to be praying about. And as I pray for these people, I also pray for the influencers. I'm praying for people and you can take this political if you want. I frankly don't care anymore. There is a war being waged right now that has become such that I've never seen before in my life. When a Democrat stood up and asked a major political candidate, I'm pro-life, is there any room for me in the party? And the candidate says to them, a week ago in the news, the candidate says to them this, and I'm going to sum it up. Basically, he says no. Basically, he says, I respect your position. You came to it honestly. But basically, I'm going to fall on the side that a woman has to make that choice. And if she wants to abort that baby right up to the day of its birth, that is her right. Friends, we have somehow or another put human choice above human life. 
And human choice will always rest with the people who are more powerful over the people who are powerless. No one is more powerless in our society than the unborn child. And the time will come when government will want to make decisions because more and more power is ceding to them. This same candidate said that evangelical Christians have to be made to change their mind. This same candidate has derided historically Christian confessional churches like this this church and many, many other Protestant churches and said that they are wrong and they need to change their beliefs and we need to make laws that will take away from them some of the privileges that we enjoy as Christians in this nation. This same candidate, Fox, CNN, ABC, CBS, Red State, and all the rest of the political sites that you can go to, identify this candidate as a moderate. Friends, there there is no way that is moderate. That is so far left of even where Bill Clinton would have used to have been. That is so far left. It is not moderation when we begin to call evil good and good evil. That is abhorrent. That is sin. And it will lead to the destruction of the culture of the United States. So, I, I, I say that because it is conviction. Is something I'm praying about rather than worrying about. Yesterday in the London Times, I read an article where, this is in the Times now, this is not a, a rag, this is the London Times, where there is a moving government because marriage is being redefined. There is a moving government to take away the right of the Church of England to perform marriages unless they approve of marriages between homosexuals. The Church of England, unlike the Anglican Church, the Episcopal Church in America, will not marry homosexuals. And so there is a move to replace the archbishop. There is a move to take away the right in the government of the church to perform marriages and that marriage then belongs to the state and the state will declare who's married. Friends, there is a law right now in Utah that is bringing up polygamy since marriage is being redefined and it's a part of their faith that somehow or another that, that polygamous marriages would be legalized in the United States. Culture has made that popular with some of the, the sister wives programs that are upon television. I'm not saying this, to, listen to me, you need to listen. I'm not saying this to be alarmist. I'm not a, I'm not a right wing, left wing. I'm an independent, but here's what I want you to hear me say this morning. We cannot afford to ignore these things. We have to come to prayer because the Bible says if my people, not the government of Utah, not the government of London, not the Congress of the United States, but if my people will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, if they will seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. America needs a revival. America needs a spiritual breakthrough today. So I've asked this morning, if Rodney Gilreath would come up, Rodney and, and Angie, come with him, if you would, please, and bring me a microphone, please, for Dr. Rodney. And I've asked Rodney to come up and to pray about the unborn and for the most vulnerable among us. So would you stand with him this morning, and would you join with he and Angie as they lead us in prayer today? It's on. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, you are God our healer. Your word says, your word says, you are God, our healer, Jehovah Rapha. 
That is one of the names that you have revealed yourself to us, Lord. You, your word says you heal all our diseases. Your word says the prayer of faith that we give, when we give the prayer of faith, you will heal us and raise us up, Lord. Lord Jesus, you are the great physician. Your sacrifice brings us complete healing, complete healing. And we believe that you want us to prosper physically as even as our soul prospers. Lord, we bring any and all before you who are ill, sick, and suffering, Lord. Any and all that are in pain, Lord. As we prayed earlier, whatever it is, Lord, whether it's cancer, whether it's viruses, whether it's pain, Lord, we, we ask that you would touch and heal, Lord. Lord, we also pray comfort. Lord, we pray for your comfort. Lord, we pray that you would comfort us with your presence. Comfort us in our suffering, those that are suffering. Comfort us with your presence and help us to comfort one another. And Lord, we pray for those that are unborn, Lord. We pray your protection on those that are unborn, Lord. You see everything. You, you are high, but you look low. Your eyes, you see, and those that are the most weak, the most marginalized, Lord, you see them. They are on your heart. They are greatest before your eyes, Lord. And we pray that you would protect them. Pray that you would intervene, that you would, that you would, that your sanctity of life, the, the holy life that you have given would be honored and you would protect that, Lord, any and all. And we pray that you would mobilize us, help us to stand where we can stand for those that can't stand for themselves, Lord. And we pray that in all this, that you would increase our faith, increase our reliance on you, and that you would your perfect will will be done in us, around us, and through us. Lord, we pray that you would release us. This would release us to serve you in a greater way, to praise you in a greater way, and to glorify you in a greater way. Lord, hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Rodney. You may be seated. Now, here's what I want you to know. There is a biblical precedence for us standing in crisis times like this to agree with one another in prayer. There's not only a biblical precedence, there are biblical examples that are set before us positively where the people of God would stand all day long and leaders among them would lead in prayers. They're not praying to impress people, but they're praying prayers that we can agree with them on and they're praying wisely, and they're praying intelligently, and they're praying as the Holy Spirit leads them. So this morning, there are going to be three more prayers in this service. And I ask you, as, as folks come to pray, to, to listen and then agree in your heart. Because I believe that God hears the prayers of Rodney and Angie Gilreath. Don't you this morning? And I believe He hears the prayers of this church as we pray together. And so we pray for all of these folks as we go through and I hope you'll use those five P's you can change the pastor to fit or maybe even change all the letters to fit but personal partner parent pastor and pilgrim that's kind of how I do that now if you will take sometimes some people ask me say how do you spend an hour a day in prayer and I don't invite them to spend an hour a day with me in prayer you know there have been times when I've said to people when I feel like they're ready I said yeah come spend an hour with me in prayer 
because I don't want them watching me. But you learn to pray by praying. And if you will take 15 to 20 seconds over each of these points I've given you this morning, if you'll take five minutes a day, three times a day, say maybe before breakfast, before or after lunch, before or after dinner, maybe get up from dinner and just for five minutes, excuse yourself from your family and slip to your basement or slip to your garage or somewhere alone and just pray for five minutes and go through these P's each day, you will find at the end of the day, you prayed 15 minutes. And I dare say, there are people in this room, you've not prayed all week long except maybe to breathe out a prayer to God real quickly when you needed something. And I dare say somebody's going to come up to you today and you told them you were going to pray for them and it was a lie because they're going to come up to you and, and you're going to go, oh, Jesus, bless them real quick. Oh, I've been praying for you this morning. So what I'm asking you is to discipline yourself, put it in your schedule, and over the next 40 days, begin to build a habit of prayer, and you will find yourself eventually coming to the place where the Bible says we pray always. It'll pick up a little more from here. Number two, a spirit-controlled mind leads to life and peace. You see, when you begin to pray and you fast on a regular basis, you're not earning something from God, but you will find all of a sudden that your life will become more peaceful, more joyful. Uh, you'll experience something that Jesus called peace that passes understanding. Say that with me. Peace that passes understanding. Now close your eyes. We're not, you know, I just want you to close your eyes. Say that with me. We're going to say it slowly. Peace that passes understanding. Now look at me. Think about that. What does that mean, peace that passes understanding? Well, first of all, the Bible says in Romans 8, 6, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Thinking upon the things of the world, meditating upon sin, meditating upon temptations, thinking upon those things, the Bible says that will lead you to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. The key to overcoming worry is not going, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry. That's like a smoker saying, I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to smoke. And all of a sudden, he's just dying for cigarettes. And those of you that have given up tobacco, you know how addictive that habit can become. It's like the baseball player I talked about just a moment ago. You're focused upon the wrong thing. The opposite of worry is focusing upon God. The opposite of worry is training yourself to focus upon God. So when something comes to my mind that worries me, for instance, Josiah comes to my mind a lot. Last night I'm praying here in the sanctuary and I'm turning this corner because I'm a walker and a prayer. I'm turning this corner, I'm praying for someone in the church and all of a sudden Josiah comes to my mind. Rather than resist and say, I'm not going to worry about Josiah, just as I walked up that side, I said, Lord, his name means he whom the Lord heals. I commit Josiah into your hands, and then I go right back to my praying. And rather than repressing it where it comes back up, you just give it to God one more time. That's how you keep your mind focused upon the Lord. Well, just a moment ago, I asked you to say with me, peace that passes understanding. What is that? It's Peace in your heart when everything in your world is falling apart, and you should be too, but you're not. You've got cancer, but you're not falling apart. You can't pay your bills, but you're not falling apart. 
Your kid is not serving God, but you're not falling apart. And the reason you're not falling apart is because you're not, a, not aware of the cancer. It's because you're not aware of the financial issues. It's not because you're not aware of your kid's spiritual problems. It's because you've got your mind on God. And as Dave Pace said to me when he was suffering with cancer one day, he said, Pastor, I heard you say in the pulpit one morning, God's got this and that has never let me go. God's got me. God's got this cancer. And God's got my family and friends to his dying day, Dave Pace confessed that. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for the memory of those that have already gone on to heaven and the example they left us? There's no reason that I should be calm. There's no reason that I shouldn't be stressed, but I'm not because God is in control. So that's how you experience the peace of God. And how do you then begin to do that? Well, prayer and fasting will help you then focus your mind upon God because as you pray and as you fast, you change the channels. Last night or yesterday afternoon before the prayer service, we were having dinner with somebody in the church or it was between lunch and supper. So we're going to call it lupper. We were having lupper with them yesterday. And they said, I was watching something on TV and they said something graphic came on and I just simply picked up the remote and I changed the channel. Well, when you begin to pray and fast, you're switching the channel. You're putting your attention on God. When I'm praying, I'm not going, oh God, you know that my son has got to have protection. God, you know my son. He's in a battle. You know. You're not you're saying, God, I give you my boy. You gave him to us. Lord, you blessed him with us. We ask you to protect him. When you pray about your finances, you're not, God, God, I can't pay these bills. You, you tell him first, and then you say, but God, you own the sheep and the cattle of a thousand hills. I'm your child. You said, as I put you first, you will open the windows of heaven upon me. Lord, I'm giving this to you, and you begin to experience peace. Your wife walks in and tells you she's leaving you, and you, you should be falling apart. You go, God, I love my wife. My heart is breaking, but Lord... I can't control the outcome of this. I sat with a man in an airport who just opened up to me. He just started crying when I told him I was a pastor and he was asking me what I was doing and he just opened up. He said, my wife has just left me. He says, I feel like she's gone so far away and I can't bring her back. Pastor, what can I do? And I said, there's only one thing you can do right now. And I said, if you're not a Christian, commit your life to Jesus and then begin to pray and bless your wife and begin to fast and, and ask God to show you where maybe you failed in your marriage and not her failures. Begin to pray and fast and let God begin to heal. And I saw stress and tears begin to drive me. He says, God does that. Now, yes, God cares about you. He says, God cares about my marriage. Yes. Now, here is a businessman traveling. He doesn't have a clue about the church. He doesn't have a clue about the Bible, but he knows there's a God. He's reaching for hope. I'm telling you in Jesus' name, when you get your attention off your problems and you put them on God, you will experience peace that passes understanding. You should be falling apart, but you're not because you know God's got this. Amen? You know God has got this. So how do I do this? Well, I turn to the Lord. Look at, uh, if you would, at Daniel 9, 3 with me this morning. I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with Him in prayer and fasting. So what does He do? Daniel is in a situation, now, now this is important for some of you, you need to hear this. You have been struggling with something for years. Daniel came to Persia probably about 16 years old. 
Daniel came as a teenager. Now he's an old man and he still hasn't seen God answer the prayer, the promise that Jeremiah made. He heard Jeremiah speak. God was going to restore Israel. Now they're still captive there in Persia. And so he's praying. And he says, God, I'm an old man now. I'm I'm about to die. Lord, my nation. And so he turns to God. And the Bible says, look at it. He pleaded with him with prayer and fasting. Say that with me. Prayer and fasting. Some of you have been waiting on a promise for God for a long time. Some are not here because they gave up on a promise from God and they went back into the world. Some are not here because they love the things of this world more than they love God. Some are not here and they're they're living for Jesus, but they've given up hoping and dreaming for a breakthrough. You are here in the providence of God because there's something in your marriage, there's something with your children, there's something with your finances, there's a dream, there's your health, there's your grandchildren, there's a miracle that you need. You need a breakthrough. And you're almost ready to give up because it has been so long. I'm pleading with you to do what the Word of God says. Turn to the Lord with prayer and with fasting. Get your mind off of the answer and get your mind upon God. Fast from food so you can feast upon God. Because when you feast upon the Lord, your life is going to change. Notice in, in verse 20. I went on praying. I was con- Go back. Go back, Devin. There you go. I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord God for Jerusalem, His holy mountain. We need to confess the sins not only of the church, but we need to confess the sins of America. And we need to have days during this time where we're just praying and saying, Lord, these issues that have come up in our nation, I think are in large part, not just because prophecy is being fulfilled, I think in large part they are happening today because the church chose to be silent when the church should have stood up and prophetically spoke out. I think in large part it happened because somehow or another we just felt like if we did not address these issues, they would surely go away. And friends, I shared this three weeks ago in the service. I bring it back to you again. If you don't take your faith seriously, if you don't take worshiping the Lord weekly and gathering with the people of God to pray together, to hear the word of the Lord, your children won't and your grandchildren will stop and give up the faith. It is important that every generation have faith modeled by their parents. Amen? So, Faye, I'm going to ask you to come up here while I read the rest of this vision, this, this answer to prayer. And Bill, if you will come with her, and I'm going to ask you to lead us in prayer next. Notice what the Bible says in verse 23. The moment you begin praying, a command was, now God's talking to Daniel, a command was given, and now I'm here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. Look at me. You are precious to God. Every one of you in here, you are precious to God. I looked at that verse and I thought, well, Daniel was always precious to the Lord. And I think what this verse is saying is what I experience when my children call me. I don't love them anymore, but I don't love them any less when they don't call. But when they call, it's precious. And when I open the mail 
and there's a bag of coffee in the mail and said, I saw this, Dad, and I thought you'd like it. That's precious to me. I don't need them to buy me a bag of coffee. I got bags of coffee at the house. Sometimes better than the coffee they send me. (laughs) But it's precious that they sent me coffee. Or they'll send something. Say, Dad, I saw this today and I thought you would enjoy it. And I get a picture of the men's room. Blah. Ladies' room. Blah, 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 blah. That was on the door. I la- You'll get it later. I laughed my head off when I saw that. And I wrote back and I said, have you showed your wife this? No. I said, I'm sending it to her. Don't you dare. It's precious that, do you see what I'm saying? When you fast and you put God first in your life, it's not that you become any more precious to God, but your fasting and your prayer is precious to the Lord. And I'm just asking, you don't have to lift your hands, but how many of you really want to give something precious to God this morning? Give Him your time and your attention as you fast and pray. Faye, would you lead us in prayer next? Father, we just um, thank you that we have this time to come together, Lord, uh, with our our church family. And Father, um, I repent for the times I've been sloppy in my faith. And I just ask that as we head into this 40 days of prayer and fasting that you by your spirit Lord would just touch our hearts Lord and not just knowledge in our head but show us the way to be better examples Father to um, put you first and let other things go that we really could just turn our eyes on Jesus and the things of this world would not have the appeal or the power over us Father that we would forsake Um, serving you and putting you first in our life. And Lord, you've told us that our children are a heritage from you. And Father, I just pray that you would walk the aisles this morning. I don't know who's here and what the needs are, but I know, Father, that you anoint pastor and you send a word that will heal all of us. And you've compelled us by the love of Christ, Lord, to to come before you and just um, as Nehemiah surveyed the walls and repented for the sins of the people, Lord, as Esther called to fast when she found out they their very lives of that whole nation might be wiped out, Lord. I know, Father, that you move. I know that your word is real and that it's true and that you've brought our family through so many things in the past. And I praise you this morning for all those things and for the ones that as I look around this congregation, Lord, I've seen your healing touch. I've seen your mercy. I've seen you minister. And I just pray, Father, that you would touch us and Call us anew and afresh and just bring revival to our land, Lord, that we really would hold your name up as a banner um, to this darkness that we see in the world. Who ever thought that we would be in a place, as Pastor has said, that there was no value placed on the sanctity of life, Lord. And I know we're called to pray for those that are in authority over us. And Lord, I just bring it to the altar this morning, agreeing with each one that's here. And I pray, Father, that there, you'd bring revival to our land and let it just let this church, as people drive by here, Father, last Sunday there was a couple that said they were just going down Van Horn and they saw the sign, so they pulled over. And we know that you do all things well, and I just give you all the praise in advance for what we will see accomplished. Amen. 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 I agree with that totally. Thank you, Faye. Thanks, Bill. Look at what Ezra says in Ezra 8 and verse 23. We fasted, say that with me. We fasted, 
we as me and thee, we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us, and He heard whose prayer? Our prayer. You see, when we're fasting, we're saying, God, we mean business. God, we're serious about this. And it gets God's attention in our lives, and the result when we do that is breakthroughs. It's revival. It's miracles. It's signs and wonders. And that's sometimes when people say, why don't we see miracles the way we used to? It's because the people of God have got to once again say, it's important that we focus upon the Lord because miracles don't happen spontaneously. Breakthroughs don't happen spontaneously. They happen when we focus and put our attention upon the Lord. Can you say amen to that? And you know that's true in practice. Where If you're an athlete, you know that's true in your work. You know that's true in everything you do. Breakthroughs happen when we begin to start that way. And then in number four, I want us to thank God in everything. Thank God in everything. Now, it doesn't mean that we thank God for everything. It means we thank God in everything. There are some things that I'm not thankful for. I'm not thankful that Josiah was born disabled the way he was, but I am thankful to God for Josiah. And I am thankful to God for the miracle that I anticipate. And I am thankful for the joy of his little life. I'm not thankful when somebody like Dave Pace that I still miss and feel physically the pain of his absence and his influence in my life. I'm not thankful that Dave is, in, is already gone away from us, but I'm thankful despite that, and I'm thankful for the role that Dave Pace played in my life and the memories and the friendships that I had there. The Bible says that we give Him, we tell God what we need, and we thank Him for all He's done. I thank God for Josiah. I thank God for Dave Pace, and I can make a list longer than my arms and legs put together of all the things that I'm not thankful for what happened in it, but I'm thankful for the experiences and the people that God has given me there. Can you say amen to that? So the persecuted Christians in the Middle East are not thankful that they're being persecuted, but they're thankful that God's presence is with them and the reason they're experiencing revival and they're willing to die for their faith when some people are not willing to get out of bed for their faith. The reason they're willing to shed their blood for their faith is because they're experiencing a breakthrough and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Can we give Him a hand of praise for that this morning? So Bob... I'm asking you if you would come up and, and I'm asking you to pray for all the influencers and leaders in our community and in our nation. We're not always thankful for everything that they say or do, but we're thankful that God has given them to us. And so would you stand with Bob now and let's agree together in prayer with Bob. Before I pray here tonight or this morning, I just want to say as I pray for elected officials and leaders, it may be a little confusing because I am an elected official. I've been uh, an ele a city councilman in the city of Gibraltar for over 20 years. So when I ask for prayers for our elected officials, I'm asking for prayers for, for myself as well. So I, um, as, as we come together, um, we need to look at all of our elected, we have so many of them all through our government, all from, from the from lowest, from, from city councilman to the president. And um, in Proverbs 28.2, we're told, when there is moral rot within a nation, its government topples easily. 
but where wise and knowledgeable leaders, but wise and knowledgeable leaders bring stability. So Lord, I ask tonight for this morning for stability, Lord, for wise and knowledgeable leaders all through our government, Lord, through um, Democrats, Republicans, independents. There are so many of them out there, Lord, that love you and serve you in so many other ways also, Lord. I ask that those of us that do love you and serve in government, Lord, that, that our love for you will, show, will shine through, Lord, that we can, we can um, serve you by serving the people that, we, we, that elect us, Lord. I ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen. And everybody agreed with that, Bob. Thank you, and thank you for the leadership you provided. Amen. You can be seated. Let me give you some growth work. I was privileged to be invited to listen to a message recently, and, um, and another district superintendent from another state asked me to evaluate the message, and he took me to lunch, and he said, what did you think? I said, well, I said, the message, it wasn't his message, it was someone that he had hired, and I said, the message is very inspirational, it was very good, and the stories were great, but there was no application to the message. Nobody would have walked out of there knowing what to do with the message. And Jesus was always very clear about telling us how to do what he told us to do. And that's the reason we do growth work. And that's the reason you have this scripture references that I prepared for you on prayer and fasting this morning. And I'm asking you to make a decision. I'm asking you to pray and fast with the leadership of this church for the next 40 days, beginning Wednesday. In the first service, we had a great first service this morning. Some turned in and says, I'm going to do a Daniel fast. And a Daniel fast is where they abstain from meats and sweets, and they basically eat vegetables and fruit and drink water for 40 days like Daniel did. I told you about one man who's giving up sugar. I'm asking you to share that with me so I can pray with you. This document is online at woodland.church or at the, on the apps that you can get on your iPhone or Android phones. It's a PDF form, so if you don't have Word, you can download it and keep it with you. But I'm asking you to make a decision and to commit. And as you do this, if you would, number one, make a prayer list. Make a prayer list of who you're going to be praying for. Number two, make a gratitude list of what you're thankful for. And I would encourage you, put in there things that may be painful. I just shared with you two painful memories. And as I was writing this week and thinking and praying, I stood here with the Lysiness family on Thursday night and preached the funeral service for Bill Lysiness. 54 years old. I shared some of this with Mark yesterday. He's on his way to Nevada right now. We're not thankful that he died so young. But we're thankful that he knew Jesus Christ, number one. And we're thankful that he's in heaven. And we're thankful that one day we're going to be with him. So I ask you not just write down the obvious, my house, my marriage, my kids. Go back to those painful things. What did you learn from that? 
And then number three, make a list of why, when, and what you will fast. Because this will keep you motivated. If you don't know why you're fasting, I know, why I'm, I know specifically why I'm fasting this year. Because every time I pray and somebody asks me, was it a vision? No, it wasn't a vision. But every time I pray for us, I see just as clearly in my mind our congregation focused upon God for the next 40 days and people fasting. And I see the windows of heaven opening up upon us. There are two times that the Bible tells us that happens. That's when people fast and pray and that's when they tithe. God opens the windows of heaven upon us. And I cannot begin to imagine what it's going to be like Easter Sunday at this church. Because you're praying for your unchurched friends. You're praying for your family. You're seeking the Lord. And then all during the day, make a habit of focusing upon God. Keep your thoughts continually fixed. And all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising Him always. <laughs> Man asked me recently, he said, Pastor, don't laugh, but can I share with you something? I go, yeah. He said, I have a problem. I, every time I see these billboards, every time I see these strip bars, he said, my mind goes places it shouldn't go. I said, I understand that. I said, that's what those billboards and flashing signs are designed to do. I said, here's how I beat that. Matter of fact, if you ever drive through my home state, the interstate, if you go down through parts of Georgia, you're going to see lewd signs because one county, you know, welcomed in strip clubs. And they're the lewdest graphic signs. But when I see those signs, I just immediately say, it's not what the devil wants me to do. But I say, God, I just thank you. I thank you for how you created sex so beautifully. Lord, I thank you for healthy marriages. And I thank you for my beautiful wife. Sometimes I'll grab the steering wheel with my knees and rub my hands and say, Lord, I'm thankful. And I'll grab that steering wheel again. And then I'll say, Lord... I rebuke that business. I rebuke that sign. I pray you're going to shut it down in the name of Jesus Christ. And I said, the devil doesn't want you to pray. As a matter of fact, the signs defeated his purpose. What the enemy meant for evil, I've taken in turn for good. And so you find those things. So when you look at a donut and it's going, eat me, eat me. You know you want me. You just look at that donut and you say, oh Lord, I want you more than anything else. I want to taste and see that the Lord is good. And God, I know if I eat that donut, I'll be disappointed in myself. You'll still love me. I'll still be, but I'll be disappointed in myself and I'll be wearing it around my middle if I eat it. So right now, Lord, as soon that donut, don't underestimate, look at me. Don't you dare underestimate the power of sanctified willpower. You just give that to the Lord. Amen. So I'm going to ask you if you would, stand with me. Come to the altar with your sheet. Or take a moment, if you haven't filled it out, but come down here with me. And I want to pray with you. Give you just a moment and let's all gather around him. 
I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and then I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Dean, there's some hand sanitizer on that counter right there. Thank you. I want to shake your hands, but I've been coughing all over myself. Dan, I want you and Pam to come up and join me if you would. You can continue to, f- to fill them out, and, and, but bring them, and we're going to lay them in just a moment as an offering before the Lord. Dan and Pam have experienced the kind of pain that we walk with them through as a church, and we still walk with them through the loss of their daughter. Sometimes there are people that I call to pray because I know they can feel my pain. Sometimes there are people that I call upon because I know they've walked through that valley. They've seen the valley of weeping turned into valley of refreshing springs. They've seen the goodness of God in a place where you might think you can't see the goodness of God. I told Becky when I flew out to preach your daughter's funeral, We took you guys out to dinner, and I told Becky, I said, we're going to see what Dan and Pam Drulard are made of now. Because this is going to either make them better or bitter. This is going to either pull the best, God's going to pull the very best out of them. And I've seen Dan and Pam grow in compassion and in tenderness and love for Jesus. So I've asked him to come and pray for hurting families. I've asked him to come and intercede for us. Then after Dan prays, I'm going to come and lead you in a prayer that I wrote for us this week, okay? Dan? Precious Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this family that is gathered here. Lord, the first thing you did after creating us is to make us family. You created family from the very beginning, a place of safety, a place of co-creation, a place where love is born and taught to the next generation, and where your word is shared and given to the next generation. Lord, there are many reasons that families suffer. Sometimes it's of our own making, And sometimes sorrow is thrust upon us. Lord, we just, we want to lift up those families who are suffering today. If if there are families or marriages out here in danger of breaking up, if there is danger of divorce, help us to see, Lord, that divorce isn't the answer, that it just creates more problems. And if you can give us a heart, Lord, for you, if we can emulate your love and your forgiveness and your grace for one another, those marriages can be saved. And Lord, for those who are suffering right now because of loss or because of tragedy, that we can be tempted to be angry with you, to put the blame 
elsewhere. Help us to accept truth of the situation. Help us, because that's where healing comes from. When we, when we accept the truth, and when we accept the basic truth that you are our creator, that you love us, that we are to worship you and thank you for everything in our lives, and that you can help us through the pain of that loss. And Lord, I pray for each person in this room and indeed in this world that you can use us to help to comfort others, that you can use us as your vessels. Lord, we just give ourselves over to you. And we pray for your forgiveness and our sins. And we just pray that your spirit would speak to each and every one of us and help us to be who you created us to be, that we might help and serve others and strengthen families. And we give you all the praise and glory this morning for our families. Amen. 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 Now, Father, all of us are here today, and all of us need a breakthrough in some area of our lives. And I'm asking for your blessing, Lord, in advance. As we pray for ourselves, more especially as we pray for one another. And Lord, as we pray for our church and our nation. I'm asking you to protect our church family as we begin this fasting and prayer time that no weapon of the enemy formed against anyone in this church who sets their heart, who masters their appetite for food or any other activities because they want to focus upon you. I pray that, Lord, you will protect them and bring them through this time joyful and with a breakthrough. Now, would you pray after me and just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I need a breakthrough. Now, tell Him where you need a breakthrough at. Father, I ask you that you will hear my prayer. Say, pray it out loud. Father, I'm asking you to hear my prayer. And I pray that you will bless me with the miracle I seek you for. And give me a story and a heart to pray for others who face the same things when I've received my miracle. In Jesus' name. Now just in case you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus yet, would you pray this with me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, you don't have to pray it out loud, you just pray it quietly. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I am so tired of focusing upon myself. I'm so tired of focusing upon the things that don't really matter. I realize that I have an eternal soul and I'm going to live forever with you or perish apart from you. So I ask you, hear my prayer. Forgive my sins.
I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Master. And as much as I know how, I make this commitment to you today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Now, when I was a little boy, we used to sing a song called, Leave It There, Leave It There. I'm going to ask you to take these, and if you would leave them here on the altar, and whatever needs you're praying about, leave them there. And then follow my blog this week, because I'm going to be blogging about this all week long. I love you. Pastor Rick, do you need to say anything? My hands are clean, so shake my hands. I love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.